You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lumid, and today I have the honor of introducing a very special guest to the show, Jessica Reed. She's a certified life coach with International Coaching Foundation. She hosts her own podcast, Self Care Keto Podcast, and the founder of her own coaching practice, The Keto Fit. I was Keto Keto once, and I know the benefit of it, but it's really thrilling to have an expert like herself come on board to tell us all about it and how she's helping women all over the world um, lose weight using the keto diet and applying self care. So, with no further ado, Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Lunine. And that's really cool that you've done keto as well. I didn't know that. So yay. yeah, it's so <laughs> nice to have you because we're going to pick your brain around that. Uh, because um, keto, you, first of all, tell everyone what keto is and then why that is passionate for you. Okay, sure. So keto essentially is um, an abbreviation for the word ketosis or mm-hmm. ketogenesis. And what that means is it's the fancy way of saying that your body is actually breaking down fat as its primary fuel source, as opposed to sugar as its primary fuel source. So most of us eat so many carbohydrates per day, which literally just translates into sugar in your body, that your body never actually has a chance to get into ketosis, but essentially think of your body as a hybrid car. It can Mm -hmm. run on either fuel source the same way that a hybrid car could run on gas or electricity. Both are completely normal, natural metabolic states, but most of us, because of the way that the standard American diet is, most of us have maybe never experienced ketosis in our lives before. There's a lot of different benefits to a ketogenic diet. Weight loss is just one of them, Um, but actually the ketogenic diet was developed in the 1920s to treat childhood epilepsy. It's pretty amazing about how when the brain actually gets this as a fuel source, that it can resolve a lot of neurological issues. So people who are not approaching it for that reason, and maybe just for weight loss, they also really notice the energy that they get, the mental clarity, the focus. There are a lot of biohackers in Silicon Valley that use this literally just for the creativity boost. Um, And so it's really quite phenomenal. And we don't even know everything there is to know about it yet. But I came upon it through the avenue of weight loss. And actually, um, a ketogenic diet wasn't really in, in popularity when I started the way that it is now. I started it in 2013, actually, as the Atkins diet. So maybe some of the listeners have done Atkins at some point in the past. And Atkins is underneath the umbrella of a low-carb diet. Uh, a keto diet is as well. It's just on the very low end of a low-carb diet. Anything below about 130 carbs per day is considered a low-carb diet. And for a ketogenic diet, most people tend to start out around 50 grams of carbs and they kind of like titrate down or titrate up and kind of find like what's their magic number because it does differ by individual. Um, So anyway, I started with Atkins. And when I started with Atkins in 2013, I had just gone through a period of my life where I packed on about 40 pounds in the course of a year. Mm -hmm. This was after a lifelong struggle with feeling like I was always overweight because I was an overweight child. And so essentially this got stored into my brain that you're overweight. Uh, Even when I wasn't, uh, I kind of resolved my overweight by the time I hit puberty, not through any kind of healthy means through the very disordered eating means, but all through my teenage years and all through my twenties, I still really struggled with body dysmorphia. In other words, I still saw myself as overweight, even though I actually was at a healthy weight. 
in my late 20s, I went through a, a traumatic period. I packed on 40 pounds in the course of a year. And here I was three weeks before Thanksgiving, freaking mm-hmm. out because I was about to see people who had not seen me since the last, like in, since the last time I was in a smaller body. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, I need to lose 10 pounds as quickly as possible before Thanksgiving. And I remembered that my mom and aunts used to do the Atkins diet and lose like five pounds a week, just like that. Uh, Now, they never really stuck with it long term. Um, I kind of just thought of Atkins as a fad diet. And I even thought of it as an unhealthy diet. But at that point, I was so desperate that I didn't actually care. I knew nothing about the science. I was just into, I need 10 pounds gone in two weeks. Well, what happened was I actually did lose those 10 pounds in the first two weeks. But I had never actually stuck with it for longer than a few days. And so I kind of got over this hump of you go through this period of transition where your body switches from burning sugar primarily to burning fat primarily. A lot of people call this the keto flu. It can be a little bit rough, (laughs) but it's mainly due to an electrolyte imbalance. Actually, once I got through that hump, I was like, oh my God, not only am I losing this weight, but I feel phenomenal. I felt that mental clarity. I was sleeping better. My digestion completely cleared up. But the thing that stuck out to me the most is for the first time ever, I felt satiety, meaning I felt full after dinner and I didn't feel the need to go snack, which every single night after dinner for like, I mean, decades of my life, it was after dinner, an hour later, I want something sweet. Now I want something salty, sweet, salty, sweet, salty. And then you kind of go through this like binge fest and then you feel so ashamed and horrible about yourself vowing, I'm never going to do that again. And then starve myself the entire next day and repeat the cycle day after day after day. And that was my life. Um, a running total of calories in my mind every single day of my life since the time I was 10 years old and my mom taught me how to count calories. So this was like food freedom. I had never known anything like this before. And I was like, why has no one told me about this? What's actually going on here? And that is what caused me to actually start to dig into the science of what is what is ketosis? How is this different? Why is this different than anything I've ever done before? And so once I discovered that for myself, it really kind of freed up this mental brain space that I was spending so much time in just feeling horrible and shameful and vowing to never do it again. It freed up all that mental brain space. And I was actually able to start to grow and do some personal development and really start to heal my relationship with food and weight and body image. Keto didn't automatically do that for me, but Mm -hmm. it gave me the mental capacity to start doing that work for myself. And when I really went through a period of a few years of that, I said to myself, I really want to create something like this for other women. Kind of like a nutritionist meets therapy is what I wanted to be able to create. And so that's what I um, started as uh, my coaching program for women. Yeah, the the healing process is definitely key. You got to have a healthy relationship with food to begin with. And I think the mindset is pivotal. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a good point um, to start any diet, any endeavor you're taking place in. Like if you don't believe it or you don't think you're worthy or deserve the change change or transformation, it's going to be um, quite a challenge. Now, tell us the difference with um, Atkins diet versus the keto diet. Oh, sure. So essentially, Atkins is a multi-phased approach underneath the umbrella of a low-carb diet. So it starts off with essentially a ketogenic diet. And that's the first phase of Atkins that people may be familiar with. It's called induction. And Mm -hmm. so Dr. Atkins actually recommends counting net carbs, um, which is total carbs minus the fiber, and to keep it around 20 net carbs per day, which for most people is generally around 50 total carbs per day. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is to get your body into a state of ketosis. He recommends people do that for at least two weeks, and then they can move on to the next phase. And he has a specific food list, and he calls it a carb ladder. And you kind of climb your way up the carb ladder 
um, to realize kind of what's your magic carbohydrate threshold that still helps you to keep losing weight, even though you might not be in ketosis. And so he kind of has like this middle area. And then, so that's the second approach. He calls it ongoing weight loss or OWL. And then there's maintenance and then, uh, sorry, there's pre-maintenance and then there's maintenance. So essentially he's kind of uh, guiding you to reintroduce carbohydrates in a healthy way, um, finding what works best for your body. So keto, on the other hand, is essentially basically just like a very low carbohydrate diet. Mm -hmm. um, and you can stay in it for as long as you like. Um, but essentially, you don't have to stay in ketosis forever. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that people approach ketosis. Some people are like, keto for life. I only ever want to be in a state of ketosis. I feel so good. It feels mm -hmm. amazing. And, you know, that's fine. Other people might want to practice what is called carb cycling. And so they might want to go in and out of ketosis, depending upon their exercise schedule, depending upon your menstrual cycle, if you have one of those. <laughs> so there's a lot of different ways to approach it, maybe even just around social plans. So ketosis is a natural state that you can go in and out of and use it as a tool in your weight loss journey. Aside from the mental health benefits and the ability that it really has to help your body heal from insulin resistance, which is very common if you struggled right. with being overweight your whole life. Really, the magic there is that it causes satiety. It, it suppresses your appetite and makes it really, really easy to eat less without being hungry. Yeah. Let, now, you mentioned insulin, and I know I've heard how beneficial it is for people who are diabetic, yeah. if they can get over that threshold. Let's talk about that a little bit more for those who are listening. Sure. So insulin is a hormone in your body and its job is to essentially help to usher out an abundance of sugar from your blood. So when you eat, uh, your body metabolizes, uh, the energy and the, it goes into your bloodstream. And so this is called your blood sugar, right? Mm -hmm. And so your blood sugar rises after you eat a meal. If it's very high in carbohydrates, it's going to spike very, very high. And so we don't want that. We want it to stay in this like nice sweet spot range, essentially rising about 30 points above where you started after your meal is like a really good place to be. And so for most people, a healthy blood sugar when you're, when you haven't eaten uh, is just between like 70 and hundred. And then to stay between like 30 and 40 points after eating a meal is a really good place to be. If you're spiking higher than that, chances are you've consumed too many carbohydrates in that meal. And if you get above 140, this is called hyperglycemia. And this is get, actually getting to be a dangerous situation. We don't want there to be too much energy in your bloodstream. And so insulin is the hormone that without you doing anything, your body is just intelligently designed to do this. Insulin comes in and says, oh, this is way too much energy in the blood. We're not going to burn through this at all. So what, what are we going to do with this? We're going to save it for later. And so it converts that excess sugar in your blood into stored fat on your body very right. intelligently. Now, a lot of us get mad about that. <laughs> Because we're like, this sucks. I don't want all this extra fat on my body. But it's actually, yeah. um, your body is never fighting you. It's always serving you. And in the history of the human race, there were times of food abundance and there were times of food scarcity. So much like a bear hibernates all winter long and just lives off of its stored body fat, they're in a state of ketosis. Mm -hmm. You can, you're able to do the same thing. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the body's not working against you. It's working for you. And that's essentially the same thing for when you're setting up habits, right? Mm -hmm. You Your habits are formed to, to protect you, to serve you in some way. Yes. And so a lot of times we have to be intentional about the setting up the, the healthy habits. Now let's talk about mindset for a little bit. Like mm -hmm. how can, how can one discover like the self-care mindset and how it has, how it can be hindrance? to their growth or to them getting that 
that uh, weight loss goal that they want to attain. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but my my history with eating never was associated with self-care. It was only ever associated with restriction and fear and yeah. misery. <laughs> I was Food was my enemy based on my childhood experience of being an overweight kid. And I essentially internalized the belief there's something wrong with me. Why am I eating the exact same foods as my twin sister? Literally, I have an, a fraternal twin sister. So we're not identical, but we don't share the same mm-hmm. genetics. But here we are, we're sisters. And we're eating the same exact foods. And she's skinny and I'm fat. What's wrong with me? And yeah. so I internalized it that it was me, my body, that I was defective. And yeah. my parents tried to explain this to me. My mom you know, told me I had a slow metabolism. I'm seven years old. I don't know what a slow (laughs) metabolism is. All I hear is there's something wrong with you. And so I started to just develop this belief system that my body was my enemy, that it wasn't fair, that I um, was always going to have a struggle and I would just have to try my hardest, but never really see um, the results that I wanted to see. And it was just going to be like this lifelong battle. So I was really resentful about that. And there were times basically where I would try to cooperate with this curse that I had, right? And I would be in this diet mentality of restriction and punishment. And then there were times when I very intelligently resisted that. And the very good part of you that does that knows that that's a load of bull crap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you should listen to her, right? Because it's not meant to be approached in that way. Now, when I became a mom and brought my newborn home from the hospital, what was I responsible for? Meeting her needs, right? And that's what self-care is, is meeting your own needs. And the most basic of human needs is your physiological needs. Food, water, shelter, warm clothes, you know, get some sleep. All of these things are like the foundation of self-care. And yet here we are thinking self-care is about finding our life purpose and taking (laughs) bubble baths and pedicures and things like that, right? So all of those things are important. But we kind of pursue those things and neglect literally the foundation of meeting our own needs. And so what I realized about this way of eating, I didn't approach it for self-care. I approached it out of the diet mentality and I stumbled upon Mm self-care. And so I think though that it is very possible to stay in a ketogenic diet or any diet with the diet mentality. And I think that's why we don't stick with it for very long because we intelligently resist. There's a part of us that knows, no, I shouldn't have to punish myself to be worthy of love, right? Right. There's nothing actually wrong with me. It's out of a place of, okay, you know what? I'm actually just going to meet my nutritional needs, give myself enough protein, give myself vitamins and minerals the same way that I do with my child. And then trust that nature will actually take care of the rest. The same way you feed your kids and you trust that their DNA is going to take over and help them to grow into strong bodies. They're going to get bigger and their muscles are going to grow and all of this stuff. You know, we don't have this transactional relationship with our kids and say, I'm going to, I'm going to give you food and now you better make your body do what I want it to do. Like, but we do that with us. We have this transactional relationship with our bodies instead of actually a loving partnership with our bodies. And so I was actually able to stumble across that and start to deconstruct that diet mentality, even though I was approaching it in that way at first. And I'm so grateful for that. And that's what I try to help women do. Yes. And in that is a way of changing those um, limiting beliefs that you're not enough, you don't deserve love unless it's conditional, right? Unless this thing happened, no transactional, as you put it. So it is possible to change limiting beliefs. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I'm living proof of that. (laughs) 
yeah, how do you go about doing so? Um, and I know mm. for for me myself, the morning routine was a big part of it, meditation and um, that quiet space to reflect. How do you do it for you, and have you? How do you help clients do so? Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say I really love um, this kind of like scripture verse theme that you have. I think it's from Romans chapter twelve, mm-hmm. like be transformed by the by renewing you, of, your mind, of your mind. Right. Yeah. And I was I was brought up Christian as well, and so I immediately went, oh, that's so good. And that connects to limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. So how do you actually transform your life by renewing your mind? Mm-hmm. Because your outer world is literally just a projection of your inner world, right? And so if you want to change your outer world, you actually have to change all the way down to the level of your beliefs. We're like an onion, right? And so yeah. our results are just the outermost layer of the onion. Right below that is our behaviors. And so we just think, oh, I'll just change my behavior and I'll get different beliefs. I'll eat food differently and I'll get, sorry, get different results, not different beliefs, but I'll just change my behavior and then I'll have a different result on the scale. And that's certainly true. But why do we, uh, it's only temporary, right? Behavior modification is only temporary because underneath that are our feelings and our thoughts. And at the core, underneath our thoughts, where do our thoughts come from? It comes from our beliefs. It comes from mm-hmm. the thoughts that we thought so many times that they get cemented down into our beliefs. And a lot of times these are inherited. And so you ask the question, how do I actually change my limiting beliefs? Mm-hmm. And it is by exploring, usually with the help of someone else outside of me. It's it's kind of hard sometimes because we have our own blind spots. So for me, it was working with my own coaches and my own therapist. Specifically, a trauma-informed therapist was so helpful for me because I had a traumatic childhood. But for us, for all of us, regardless of whether we identify as having trauma in our childhood or not, we pick up what are called like early maladaptive schemas. Schema therapy is the thing that my therapist used with me. And schema is just another way of saying belief. It's the lens through which you see the world. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the constructs that you hold to be true, right? And so maybe some of them, like I mentioned before, my body is defective. There's something wrong with me. Defectiveness is a a big one. Unrelenting Mm -hmm. standards or perfectionism is another one. Self-sacrifice. That's another one that we all deal with all the time. And so I actually, when I started working with my therapist, took this schema test and she gave me a list of all, these are all your schemas. This is the way that you see the world. And I was like, yes, these are all of my, (laughs) these are all of my limiting beliefs. And she just gave me my results because in 2020, she gave me a list. I just took the test again in 2023. And so many of them that were so high are now completely like in low, maybe the highest that I have now is like a medium. And then most of them are are null, ones that were like totally high before. So this is like this like external validated system that I've literally been able to change my beliefs. And so working with a therapist or a coach, somebody that can help you to see Oh, it's interesting. Seems like you actually see the world in this way. And you're like, yeah, I see the world in this way. And you start to bring it to awareness and then have self-compassion and lovingly question it. So one thing that's been really, really helpful for me is called um, The Work by Byron Katie. And she just asked four questions. And the first one is, is it true? (laughs) And it's okay if you say, yes, it's true, because your brain is going to offer you a whole list of evidence of the reasons why this is true. And the second question is, can I absolutely know that it's true? And this is where you kind of are really starting to release your attachment. Is it possible that maybe it's not actually objectively true? That's just the way that I'm seeing it right now. Mm -hmm. Could there be another interpretation? And then the third question is, how do I think, feel, and respond when I believe this is true? Essentially, like what, what effects is this producing in my life? And come face to face with that. And then the last question is, who would I be without this belief? How would I think, feel, and respond if I didn't hold this belief? 
I like to ask my clients, if I was like a a thought neurosurgeon or a belief neurosurgeon, and I could just put you under and go in there and extract that belief, you never had it. What would your life be like? How different would your life be without this belief? And the biggest thing for me was moving away from, is this true or is this false in terms of beliefs to, is this helpful or is this not helpful? Because if it's not helpful, beliefs are optional. You can actually detach from that. Yeah, Most of our beliefs are just inherited from the people that were authority figures in our lives and they did their best, right? But we can actually unsubscribe yeah. <laughs> the same way that you unsubscribe and stuff all the time. And yeah. what do you want to pay attention to? It's like curating your social media feed. I don't like seeing this anymore. This is not helpful. What do I want to focus on? And so you can actually start to uh, practice affirmations and start rehearsing because the way that they got into you was through repetition. So you're just going to lovingly question that, release that, and then start repeating what you actually do want to program into your your hardwiring now. And you have to feed your senses. You have to Mm -hmm. feed all of them, what you listen to, who you listen to, what you see. All that matters in in terms of reprogramming that subconscious mind, which is directing your path Mm -hmm. secretly in the back, right? Absolutely. You said it right. So let's talk about how you get up, dress up, and show up. What's your morning routine like? Yes, yes. So um, I wanted to really take the time to think about this. So I made a couple notes. Um, the first one is that I wake up at the same time every day. Yeah. And so remember how I said when I became a mom, I was like, oh, thinking about food as the basis of self-care, right? And then I had to sleep train my baby. Yeah, right on. <laughs> we, I, sleep, I sleep train mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what does that mean? Basically, like put them to bed at the same times every day. Set, set up the environment. You have to give them sleep cues so that they know it's time to go to sleep. And so I thought to myself, whoa, we don't do this as adults. And I started to sleep train myself. And so I went through a period of 30 straight days where I went to bed at the same time and woke up at the same time, even on the weekends. That was really hard, but even mm-hmm. on the weekends. And ever since I did that, I jump out of bed each morning at the time that I wake up, which is 5 a.m. And I'm not a believer that you have to wake up super early if you're not a super early person, but at least go to the same, go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. And it'll totally change um, how you wake up. Yeah. So that's the first one is that I wake up at the same time um, every day. The second thing that I do is I stay off my phone first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. and I just take some time to think. I hold my coffee in my hands and I feel the warmth of it. I try to be in my body for a little bit before I'm in my mind and totally distract myself. And I, I actually savor the taste of my coffee. And I just take some time to think about my day. I do uh, a gratitude practice. I'll, I'll actually hand write. This is really important scientifically. What you write with your hands is so much more effective than actually you know typing it into your phone or on a computer. Um, and I'll also write my plan for the day so that I'm actually setting my intentions of what do I want my day to look like? What are the most important things for me to accomplish today? And so I'll do that before I ever get on my phone. It's a form of meditation. It is. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I actually, uh, I take a walk every single morning before I start my work day. And I make sure to get natural light into my eyes in the early morning has been scientifically proven to help reset your circadian rhythm. And your circadian rhythm is uh, more than just governing your energy, but it actually also really helps with all of your health, including your blood sugar, and it helps with weight loss and all of these things. So I'll make sure to take a walk in the early morning to get sunlight into my eyes as early as I possibly can. It's usually around 7, um, 730. 
and for about 30 minutes and I'll listen to something that inspires me, something uplifting. And I'll look around at nature and really try to take in the beauty around me. And I do all of that before I start my work day. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, getting that, that movement, move the body. Mm-hmm. That's really key. And for you, it sounds like morning routine starts the night before you got to get adequate sleeping and you got to mm-hmm. get that routine where you can get up at the same time, be consistent with it. Yeah. And now the, the habits are taking care of you. Even when you don't feel like it, you it's like going through the motions. Again, the brain that has one. created that habit for you, but it's a good one. So you, you welcome it because of the slew of benefits that you get. That's very mm-hmm. insightful. Thank you for sharing and thank mm-hmm. you for being with us this morning. Um, tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Sure. So I am on most social media platforms at The Keto Fit. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. And then I actually just got on TikTok a few months back, but over there, I'm self-care keto. And I have a podcast as well. It's called The Self-Care Keto Podcast. And then over on my website, you can learn all about my coaching programs and different mindset classes that I offer each month. So my website is theketofit.com. And over there on my website, I actually have a completely free uh, keto kickstart guide. So just make sure to jump over there and grab a hold of my freebies. My podcast is free. My email list is free. So I've got a lot of free um, resources as well as um, coaching opportunities. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing and coming on the show today. Thank you. Yeah. All right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.